When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Texture Tuesday edition. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And Doug Maurice joining us also. Doug, it's been a little while. How are you? I'm great. I was on furlough last week, so I'm full of energy to be back. <laughs> Doug is back. And, and also, judging by uh, social media, it looks like Ohio State uh, is back in, uh, back in their building finally, too. So. They are. Everybody showed up in masks today. <laughs> So it's happening in Berea, too. It's, it's mask season. Okay. Uh, every Tuesday, we throw out uh, to our texters, our football insiders. I'll tell everybody about that a little bit later. Uh, but we throw out to them questions. We want to know what you want to know. And that's what sort of drives our Tuesday podcast. So I'm going to go through this list of questions uh, that folks sent in here over the last couple hours. And we'll start here from the 915 area code. And uh, look, the big story over the weekend was uh, a bunch of players shot a video. It turns out with the help from uh, an NFL social media employee uh, and and some other folks, they shot a video, uh, essentially putting pressure on the NFL to come out stronger than they did uh, when they released their statement after the the death of George Floyd and uh, the the protests after that. Clearly weren't happy with that statement. It ended up eventually with Roger Goodell uh, in his basement like the rest of us, uh, putting out a video essentially word for word reading what the players wanted him to say, although there were a few key points that he left out. Um, So the question here from the 915 area code is, did Roger Goodell go far enough in his apology? And it is, of course, notable too that he did not say the name Colin Kaepernick during that apology either. Uh, Did he go far enough? You know, I I actually think he did. I mean, he, like you said, he repeated verbatim uh, the three things that those star players asked him to do, including, you know, condemning racism, admitting that they were wrong in silencing their, uh, their peaceful protests and, uh, and vowing to do more uh, to stand up and speak out against racism as a league. So I think, I think that uh, he covered all of the bases with that. And, you know, he, he sort of stopped short of saying, yes, go ahead and kneel during the national anthem. But I think it was sort of implied that, you know, we didn't listen to you well enough and we did go ahead and, uh, you know, kind of prevent you from doing that. We should not have done that, which of course uh, got a, a, re- a very uh, emotional response, I think today from, from President Trump. And uh, this is going to be a story that keeps going and going and going. Right. And, and Doug, uh, I, when I kind of look at it, I, I think, you know, I, I thought it was good that Roger Goodell came out and like Mary Kay said, basically said everything the players wanted him to say. But I, I don't know if we're going to have an answer to this until we actually get to the season, see if players kneel. It seems likely we're going to see a lot of players kneeling again and then see how Roger Goodell and the NFL handle it this time, because obviously it's pretty clear that the president, again, is going to make this a big issue in, in an election year. Yeah, all the talk around all this is is really important. Um, but the actions of what people do and how people react once the season starts, I think, is going to be even more important. And I do think, you know, to say we were wrong to to not encourage or not allow the peaceful protests and not say Kaepernick's name is nuts. I mean, it's just like, why? Like, who are you talking? I mean, we all know 
what we're talking about. And we all know who the guy is that has lost his NFL career over a peaceful protest. And it's, it's past the point, I think, of, of whether you agree or disagree with that, whether Roger Goodell personally agrees or disagrees, whether an overwhelmingly white ownership agrees or disagrees, whether an overwhelmingly or large part white fan base agrees or disagrees. It's happening. Like it, it is, you know, this is what these players feel and that matters. And I think it's, yes, it was good for Roger Goodell to go along with that. But I think to not say Colin Kaepernick's name, it's like he who shall not be named, I think was, I don't know. It's not insulting. It was just, it was just odd of like, let's just be, if we're going to be honest and real about this, let's be totally honest and totally real. And, and you know, everybody knows what happened. And everybody knows it feels like it's changing, but I think it, he should have said that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I, I think the, the name is out there, right? I mean, every, like you said, everybody just knows where this started um, with Colin Kaepernick. By the way, I do want to throw another answer out there uh, because someone asked a question, uh, and I thought it was interesting, um, about is there a person in the NFL um, who can kind of bridge, bridge the gap uh, between – you know, police and, and players. He mentioned Shaquille O'Neal, who of course was trying to be a cop at one point. I don't, I don't remember how that all went out, but I do want to point out that speaking of Colin Kaepernick, the whole reason he was kneeling was because he had Nate Boyer on, on his team, I believe, or who was a former teammate. Uh, and he was a Green Beret who basically told Colin Kaepernick, if you're going to protest, this is the way to do it. So just to answer that question um, as well. Uh, but, but Mary Kay, is, is there, I, I mean, outside of talking about it, which as Doug said is important. And of course, getting these video statements and, and these players sort of pushing the NFL, I guess what stood out to me is, you know, player empowerment is coming to the NFL. It's been coming for a little while. I think this is a big step in that. Obviously this doesn't have to do with money and contracts and things like that, but I do think this is a big step in players saying, listen, we're your stars. We're the folks that go out there every Sunday. You're going to have to listen to us. Yeah, I think so. And, um, and I think also it should be noted that Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry uh, were part of this very, very powerful, powerful video that included some of the biggest names in the NFL today, including Saquon Barkley and Michael Thomas, Patrick Mahomes. And, um, you know, those guys were part of that. And I think that they will be at the forefront of this movement, as will Miles Garrett, who's been very vocal and taking some action already himself. Uh, but, you know, I do think that uh, there's going to have to be a significant amount of discussion about this now going forward between, you know, let's say, you know, the Haslams and the Browns players, uh, between Roger Goodell and this group of players. I mean, I, you know, I think that it would be great if he got together with this leadership group that made this video and, you know, have an open and frank discussion about you know how this is going to manifest itself how is this going to play out uh you know what what is going to happen in terms of kneeling during the national anthem you know what's going to be the response to that when it happens because it will and um you know how is this all going to be handled i i just i don't think there's any way that you can just go into the season and kind of see how that goes i think that uh, it's gonna they're going to have to be very very open about it and uh, if the players are going to be willing to do something other than kneel during the national anthem, I'm guessing that they're gonna, going to have to have a, a whole lot of action and a whole lot of, uh, you know, remedies for, for racism, for police brutality, before they would agree to not do that. So a lot has to happen. Yeah, I, I feel like they need to feel like the league has their back, too. Like if they are going to kneel, the league has to help them frame that discussion and frame that conversation. And I, also, I do want to give some credit to the Haslam's, you know, they did respond, I thought in a very good way back in 2017. And then they've, they have taken on a lot of initiatives that, that I know a lot of those players were, were passionate about. I don't know if I agree with the idea that the league has to have their back because I don't think this is in the league's hands anymore. The players have taken this issue. If the, if the league doesn't have their back, who knows what the players will do? Like the players, they seem united on this. And then, yes, it's player empowerment. It's black player empowerment. This is a league, again, the commissioner is white. Most of the owners are white. Most of the coaches are white. Most of the GMs are white. 
and most of the, uh, the, the, the vast, not vast, but the majority of the players are black and they are now that they are together as a group. And, and I don't think it's about the league, like letting them do anything. Roger Goodell didn't sit there in his basement because he thought, you know what? The right thing for me to do is for the league to have their back here. They forced his hand. He didn't, he, that wasn't his idea. You know, it was great that he did it, but the players have taken the initiative on this. And, and I didn't, I feel like I was maybe a little strident in my initial thing. I was strident towards Roger Goodell. The, the thing about all this is I don't think there can be any expectation or should be any expectation that everybody agrees on this. And there will be owners and coaches and fans and maybe some players in the league. I'm sure some players in the league who, if, players Neil won't like that we'll disagree with that Drew Brees isn't going to be the only person who initially didn't like that and that's okay you're not going to get a hundred percent agreement on this but I just would advise anybody listening to this who gets frustrated or if you're a fan who maybe disagrees with the idea we're past disagreement we're just to the point of you have to listen to these players this is truly how they feel they are truly going to tell you. They are truly going to act on their feelings. And then they're going to play football. And so, you know, like that's – whether you agree or disagree sort of doesn't matter because it's not in anyone else's hands now. It's in their hands. And there are a lot of really important players who feel very strongly about this. And I just think I would just advise anybody else, it's not about agreeing – it's not about disagreeing, really. You have your right to think how you want to think. Just acknowledge that this is an issue for them and that it would be nice if you listened. And then, then you can play football. And if, if it would be nice if it were also that simple um, and that it did work out that way. But there will be other things to consider. Uh, and again, that this is not to say that the players uh, should respond in any kind of a way because of this. but there will be, you know, perhaps sponsors, there will be fans uh, that will speak with their pocketbooks about this. Um, and, you know, there, there might be, you know, money involved, salaries involved. Uh, you know, again, we don't quite know how this is going to play out yet. Uh, but, you know, that's something that I think is going to have to be considered. There might be, uh, again, some financial repercussions from doing that. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying don't do it. I was never against them doing it in the first place. I was never against that. And I'm very disappointed. And you know what? And I, you know, my dad is a, a war veteran, a Korean war veteran and proud of it and has a, had a flag tattooed onto his arm. So it's not anything in, in, about disrespecting the flag or disrespecting the military. It, in my mind, was always about a way uh, to draw attention to a very, very serious issue. So therefore, if that's how you had to do it, then to get people's attention, then I, I did not have as much of a problem with it as a lot of other people did. But there will be plenty of people that have a major problem with it, and they will, I'm sure in some cases, speak with their pocketbooks. Dan, you wrote a lot of stories about players kneeling, uh, and I'm sure you got a lot of emails from fans that were saying they will never go to another Browns game again. And maybe it won't have an economic impact on the game uh, per se. Maybe that won't be an issue. Maybe the sponsors, you know, maybe that won't have an economic impact. Maybe there will be enough people that say, you know, this is the right thing to do. And, you know, sponsors will be supportive and understanding and all of that sort of thing. Uh, but I do think that it's a very, very complicated and obviously, emotional and polarizing issue yeah and i got emails over the weekend too i wrote a column on on friday about it so certainly all weekend i was seeing emails and i was very happy that our site no longer accepts comments so uh well, there was that doug go ahead real quick i mean i just just the idea again and and the people are allowed to feel how they feel again that i just wonder um I don't think the players are going away on this issue. And I don't know. I mean, if the NFL said, hey, we're going to lose sponsorships if a bunch of you kneel, would that stop them from doing something? No. And I, I just, uh, you know, and I mean, is it going to be, would there be enough of, a, of an economic impact? I mean, would there be thousands of empty seats at First Energy Stadium? 
because people are upset. I, I, I don't, I, I, I would just advise again, like, I don't, I think the, you know, the horse is out of the barn. I don't, I, I mean, they are not going to be silenced on this issue. And so it doesn't mean you have to agree, but I think you have to accept that on some level, this is going to happen. And okay, well, I mean, if the NFL makes a little less money, then so be it. I don't think you're going to stop this from happening. And, and, I, just, and I, I think this time is very, is different from 2017. I think in 2017, the league's response was very much, we have to get this stopped, to be honest with you. And that off season, they tried to pass some rules to outlaw kneeling, not out, to make, to make it against the rules to kneel during the national anthem. Um, that, that, that got tabled. It didn't happen. I, I do feel like this time is very different from 2017. They're, they're not going to be able to do that. Uh, you know, they're going to have to accept that it's going to happen. We're going to see more players do it. And they're going to have to accept that they've got some big voices behind this now, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the most prominent or one of the most prominent faces in the NFL. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he, he just won a Super Bowl. He might be on his way to winning, you know, a bunch more Super Bowls in the near future. When you have a, a powerful voice like that behind it, it, it just sort of reinforces uh, that like Doug said, this isn't going to go anywhere this time. You, you've got a lot of, of power behind this in the players. The most important thing, the bottom line to this whole thing uh, is reform and change. That is what everyone needs to happen for this situation to get better in our country. Uh, and so however that needs to happen is what I hope they arrive at. What I hope we don't see is more divisiveness uh, from all of this, that we see even more of a racial divide because that's not constructive. That is not what anyone needs. That, that is not what anyone needs. We need racial equality. We need to end police brutality, which has just been horrifying, horrifying to watch, uh, you know, all the other things that we've now seen on Twitter after George Floyd's horrible murder. Um, but hopefully a lot of good comes out of this and that George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and everyone else did not die in vain, that this turns into something that can unite us as a nation. And I will say, I, I, you know, three white people sitting around talking about this is not changing much of anything. I, you know, so I, the issue to me in the end, I mean, NFL players can't reform police departments i mean it's like that whatever is happening in society and the world is happening in society and the world and, and an nfl player can't single-handedly do anything about that their voices certainly can matter in the discussion but i think when it comes to sports the idea that on a sunday before you watch your football game i mean and, and the rest of it i'm just i'm trying to think about a fan who might not like this right because I don't, I can, I, and the same thing's happening with Ohio State. Um, and certainly there are fans who disagree with this. I just hope to those fans, again, I, I would say, I hope you would just listen and understand what they're saying. These players who are so important to you on Saturday and Sunday and understand that they are probably going to do something and I hope you don't like give up football because you disagree on a societal issue, right? And so it I would just advise listen. If you disagree, that's fine. Disagree, but understand they're gonna do it and then watch the game. And that, that you can't they're not in charge of society, but you're not in charge of telling them how they should feel or act. And then at one o'clock, they're going to kick a football off. But Doug, have you, have you had to cover too, you know, too much of kneeling? Uh, you know, I mean, have you had to deal with this too much, a, a lot? Because we've had to deal with it and we see the very, 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 very strong reaction uh, that it brings from a lot of people. I'm not saying right. it's right or wrong because people have a right to For their sure. People have a right to their feelings, but it is going to elicit very, very strong emotional reactions from a lot of people, no matter how much we hope and wish that people do the right thing and listen and take action. There's going to be a large segment of the population that is going to really have a very difficult emotional 
time. But okay, so but the, if you don't like it, but then what? Well, that's what I was bringing up before. I don't know then what. I, I don't. I hope that this doesn't become more of a divisive. But it is divisive. I mean, it's, we're not going to stop it from being divisive. People are no. going to disagree on it. But then are you going to not watch football because you're so angry about this societal issue? We, I th and when we talk about this stuff, I think we have to talk about the sports aspect of it. Uh, three white people sitting around talking about society. I mean, we don't know anything. We're sports writers, right? Right. The sports issue of it, the league has a lot of black players, and a lot of those black players are united on this issue. Right. And that's – that's it. So if you're a fan who disagrees, I don't know what to tell you other than can you live in a world where you might disagree on a social issue with football players and not let it ruin your fandom and not take you away from the team that you love? And maybe possibly if you could be open-minded about the issue, great. But I don't know. I'm not sure it's much more complicated than just advice to people of it's okay to disagree on societal issues, but don't pretend that you have the right to tell somebody else how they should act or behave around that issue. And then at one o'clock, the game starts. And maybe that's naive, but I also think it might be just that simple. And if you're so steadfast in this, that then the result is you turn in your season tickets then I, I'm sorry that that's the case, but is that going to – before, the NFL was so worried about that, they stopped the players from doing it. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I don't think the NFL is going to or be able to stop the players from doing what they want to do. So they'll do what they want to do, and then we'll play football. Can it, can it be that simple? And you play football and you make a little less money if some sponsors pull out. And if some people disagree so much, they don't watch the game. I don't even know if this is interesting anymore. Again, I, the, the, we're not experts on this. Dan, you can edit this down. But I just really, to, the, to anybody out there who, who just is so sick of hearing about this and loves football, I just think it would be if you love the Browns or you love football, to take yourself away from that because you disagree with players on a societal issue, I think is a mistake. That's my advice to any fans who might feel that and who probably by this point have turned off this podcast because they're tired of me talking. Right. Well, I mean, look, I, I do think this is going to be, and you know, we're talking sort of about two different things. I think too, we're talking about um, police brutality on the one hand, and then we're talking about the form of protest that players. But, but what, why are we talking about, but, but, but the police brutality has nothing to do with sports. All we're talking about is the player's reaction to it. Right. That's the only sports topic. Right. But the reason it's going to be an issue is because um, it was an issue in 2017. You know, that players had actually generally stopped kneeling. And then Donald Trump called them out and called for them to be fired. And the next day they knelt. And, you know, I was there when a, a stadium full of Colts fans, uh, you know, booed players for kneeling. And we all remember Mike Pence showing up to a game just so he could leave when players knelt. It's, it's going to be that, – that's why I think it's going to be difficult to draw that line between, okay, the players are going to kneel and now we're going to play football. Because, because yes, that's going to happen, right? They're not going to cancel the game. But it's 2020. It's an election year. We've got a president that will tweet anything on a whim. <laughs> this is going to be something that's made an issue in the NFL. And Roger Goodell, um, they're, they're going to have to – draw a line themselves probably too and decide, you know, when the, when the president's coming at us and telling our owners, some of whom, probably a good amount of whom have given money in some form to a, a presidential campaign for Donald Trump, when he's coming at us, we've got to be able to stand up and say, listen, this is what our players are protesting and, and this is what they believe and we're, we're not going to stop it. Yeah. I, I, I think that it's going to be a very, uh, overarching theme as we head into the NFL season. Probably not so much the college season, I don't think, but I don't really know. Uh, but I think it's going to be huge in the NFL. And I think that we have already seen, uh, you know, just a small bit of that from the video, from Roger Goodell's response to the video, from then 
President Trump, I mean, when you have the president, again, as Dan mentioned, the president and the vice president getting involved in an election year and big business and everything that's involved, uh, it, it is going to be a humongous issue as we head into the 2020 season. Okay. Hey, I bet we want to talk football. <laughs> sure. Let's take Anybody who wants us to talk football has already turned off the podcast. <laughs> right, exactly. Let's take a break, and then we'll get to some more questions uh, from our texters. That was obviously a great question because we just went 25 minutes answering it. So uh, th thank you for that question. It's obviously something people care about and, and want to hear about. Um, like Doug said, we are just, you know, three white football writers talking about it. So, you know, I, I think uh, the advice here is go seek out people who really know this stuff and then know what they're talking about and, uh, you know, see, see what they have to say about it. But we're going to take a break and then we come back. We'll answer some questions about uh, the Browns and football on the other side. Hey, before we get back to the show, let me remind you about Football Insider. It's our text subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can also text us back and we respond directly to you, cutting through the clutter of social media, and you'll get a newsletter every day with exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see it before anyone else. Now, there's still time to get signed up before Tuesday night. That's tonight. Uh, when we will be holding a Zoom call for our subscribers all about Baker Mayfield. We'll talk about where he's been, where he's going, and what we expect from him in year three. If you want to check it out and see if Football Insider is for you, start your 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. You can also text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start that 14-day free trial, Text 216-208-3965. Now back to the show. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby alongside Mary Kay Cabot and Doug Maurice. Let's get into some of the other questions that were sent in from our texters here on this Texter Tuesday. And we're going to start with the linebackers. Uh, this comes from the 412 area code. Is the current roster of linebackers good enough, or do the Browns need to make a trade uh, or do they have the right personnel for this new defense? Linebackers is one of those really interesting positions. Uh, we heard from Joe Woods a couple weeks ago, Mary Kay. Um, I, I thought he was interesting on the linebackers. He sounded somewhat bullish on the young guys. Part of the problem is we haven't seen these guys on the field yet, and we don't see how they're going to be deployed. But I do think this is one of those areas where you kind of circle and say, I'm just not real sure about it yet. Yeah, I think Joe Woods is doing the same thing, <laughs> you know? I mean, when we asked him about it the other day, he was like, you know what? I, I don't know who's going to start at uh, strong side, weak side, Mike linebacker. Uh, we're going to have to see how it goes. We're going to cross-train them and, and kind of work it out when we get on the field. And I do think that if you don't have any set starters at any of those positions yet, and they're all still up for grabs, that that could mean – uh, that there might be a few issues here and there. Now, they have enough bodies. They definitely have enough bodies uh, to give guys a shot and to get some good competition and to have some depth at those spots. But I do think uh, that, you know, it's, it's certainly not the marquee position of this football team. If we had to circle one spot in particular that could possibly be an area of concern, this would be it. And today, I, you know, I mentioned that, that newsletter in, in my little ad read there that, that we send out every morning. And, and today for the newsletter for Football Insider subscribers, I wrote about uh, when you look at, when we looked at the offense, we can very clearly see what they valued. And, and now we're trying to look at some of the defensive moves they've made and, and kind of what they value. And linebacker was one of those positions where I, I kind of looked at it and said, they just didn't make a big investment there. You know, they brought in B.J. Goodson. They still have those young guys. They didn't make a big investment there. All their investments came elsewhere. And, and I think the NFL is very much an action speak louder than words league. And I do think that, it, that it's telling maybe a little bit how they view the importance of that position, maybe not entirely, but at least a little bit, and uh, in, in how they addressed it or didn't address it this offseason. I don't care if the linebackers stink. Is that – I mean, you can't be good everywhere, right? right well, and I yeah, feel – part of it too. I feel like last year at this time, you know, one of the positions where we were saying is like, oh, I think the Browns are going to be good. But what's the position of possible worry was offensive line, right? And that turned out to be a huge problem. So I would rather have question marks at linebacker than the offensive line. I know that for sure. 
and when you've spent some mid-round picks, I mean, it's like, I, I know on one hand, it's like these guys haven't shown much. Listen, man, I mean, you know, Taki Taki and Mac Wilson are third and fifth rounders from last year, another mid-round guy this year. It's like, you're supposed to hit on a couple of these guys to fill in when you lose guys to free agency. And Dan, you're right. Obviously, they don't, this is not Andrew Barry's priority. He could have solved this with money if he wanted to, and he didn't. But I think of, you know, if, if you can't spin a couple third rounders into like, okay, guys that you let, you know, that the linebackers don't ruin what Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and everybody else is trying to do, then like you've missed in the draft. But I think it's reasonable. They didn't want to spend the money on Joe Schobert. Um, I get it. And what, I mean, how often they're only going to have two linebackers. I mean, it's a nickel is the base in the world, right? I mean, how often are they going to have three linebackers on the field anyway? With, aren't there enough guys in here? You could probably can find two serviceable dudes and, and I imagine be just fine. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, and when you look at like a BJ Goodson, just from a tackling standpoint, he ranked higher than a Joe Schobert. Uh, so you're not really going to have any drop off per se there. And you should find, be able to find enough role players. And again, they're not going to be in three linebackers all that often. And I was thinking the other day, like, what if they do sign Jadevian Clowney? You know, if they do sign him, I think that, you know, you might be able to get creative with your fronts where you could yeah. end up with, uh, you know, with him on the field in addition to the four defensive linemen that they have now. So uh, they, you know, maybe they've got uh, some some madness up their sleeve there too. A little, a little five two. Yeah. <laughs> and again, just to reiterate, I mean, yes, they didn't spend money, but J Jacob Phillips and Sione Takitaki, third round consecutive years, third round picks. That's an investment. Yeah. That's something. I mean, that's not. That's not seventh rounders. I mean, third rounders should play. Third rounders should help your team. So, like, I – again, it, it, part of it is it's not a priority, but part of it is, well, they did prioritize it to some degree, and if they missed there, then they missed, and then maybe it will be an issue. But I think they'll be fine. And the other part of it, too, is, like, you know, guys are allowed to get better. You know, Mac Wilson, I, I think, did some good things last year. And, and he – I mean, he was the talk of training camp and, and the preseason, right? And then – uh, we didn't see him for a couple of weeks. He takes over for Christian Kirksey, had some good, had some bad. And this was a fifth round pick that Nick Saban told you, Mary Kay, that he wasn't sure if he should really come out. So, you know, he's allowed to, he's allowed to get better. He's a young guy and he's allowed to make that jump from year one to year two to year three. And, you know, we, we shouldn't necessarily just say, well, what we saw in his rookie year is what we're going to see for his whole career. I, I still think there's something there maybe with a guy like Mac Wilson. I, we haven't seen a lot of Taki Taki, so I, I can't really say that necessarily about him. We'll find out. Uh, but, but I do think there's something there with Mac Wilson at least. Yeah, and when you have a, a third rounder that is coming out of LSU, a lot of times those LSU guys are really ready to step in and play. So I, I would imagine that Jacob Phillips will have an opportunity to, to get on the football field and make an impact. And I think, once again, a third rounder is expected to play. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, Dan, too, uh, Sione Takitaki, we didn't get to see very much of him at all on the regular defense last year. Well, they loved him coming out of the draft last year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he's got. Uh, but by the same token, I think an LSU linebacker can be expected to come in and get some reps this year. Okay, from the 802 area code, this is sort of along the same vein, so that's why I'm sticking with this. Uh, where are you most worried? I mean, look, you can keep yourself up at night worrying about injuries in the NFL and in football, but where are you most worried uh, about injuries and, and the depth here on this roster? So I'll, uh, you know, linebacker's probably on that list. The one that sticks out to me is safety. I'm not real sure about their depth at safety, and if you lost a guy like a Grant Delpit for – three or four weeks to a hamstring injury or lose a Carl Joseph, I, you know, however that all plays out. I think that's an area where I'm a little concerned and maybe corner. Uh, and th those are really two that kind of stand out to me. You know, I would say um, the one, I think the Browns have been reasonably healthy with their star players for the most part. Uh, now, obviously Odell and Jarvis, worked through their injuries last year, but they were on the field most of the time. I think the area 
uh, that kind of concerns me the most, if I were a Browns fan or if I were a Browns coach or player, would be losing like Miles Garrett to an injury for any yeah. length of time. Because, you know, we saw what happened to the defense last year when Miles and Olivier Vernon, uh, when they left the lineup for the second half of the season, the defense kind of went south. So I think Miles is somebody uh, that I would kind of, uh, you know, if I were a coach, if I were Kevin Stefanski, I would lay awake at night and, and hope that he stays healthy throughout the season. And I think that's what you want, right? I mean, you want your stars to be so good that when they're gone, it blows a hole in your team. I mean, you can't have depth behind Miles Garrett. There is no such thing as having a guy behind Miles Garrett who's almost as good as Miles Garrett. So that's what I would be worried about, right? That that you know, there's nobody who's almost as good as Odell Beckham behind Odell Beckham. So I think across the board, some of like their mid-level depth is fine, but their biggest issue, you know, and, and you know, early last year, Denzel and Greedy were both out with the hamstring stuff. That was an issue for a time. But the biggest thing is Miles Garrett, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, although, you know, Kareem Hunt, the, those kind of guys that you can't live without them. And I think Mary Kay, you exactly said what I was going to say. Miles wasn't hurt, but you saw, I mean, it was, it's a different defense when Miles Garrett isn't out there. So I don't know if I was a fan, I wouldn't be necessarily worried about, oh, you know, what position group, you know, oh, if Carl Joseph gets hurt, what are you going to do? It's like, just keep your fingers crossed that Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. play 16 games. Because again, we are finally in an era where the Browns have some stars. And that's what it's like. Guess what? You know who, where the Kansas City Chiefs are worried about depth? At quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes because he's a star. And if you lose him, you're dead. The Browns have a couple guys like that. And it would be nice to see all those guys, their five best guys. What if their five best guys all played 16 games this year? How awesome would that be? Because injuries are part of the game, but I feel like the last two years – there have been times where, like, this guy's out. Like, they haven't had their best of their best of the best on the field all the time together, and I think it's kept them from maximizing what they can be. But, you know, and, and again, I think that's football. Like I said when I asked the question, I mean, you can stay up all night worrying about this guy getting hurt or that guy getting hurt. Guys get hurt. Guys get dinged up. Guys pull hamstrings. I bet we're going to see a bunch of hamstring pulls or soft tissue injuries this year uh, with, with no spring football, and who knows what training camp's going to look like early. I bet we'll see a bunch of that stuff, but you've got to be strong enough as a, as a coaching staff. You know, Doug, you mentioned Greedy and Denzel, you know, missed those games last year. The Browns actually kind of got through those okay. You know, Terrence Mitchell held down his end of the bargain pretty well. TJ Carey stepped up. You can get through those things. I guess, I guess the real answer here is probably Baker Mayfield – you know, putting last year behind and playing great, and then you lose your starting quarterback. I think that's for every team. That's your doomsday scenario. If you have a, uh, a star quarterback and, and that guy gets hurt, uh, unless you're the Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago, that's, uh, that's one clear exception. Um, but, but wait a minute, though. This year, that probably wouldn't even be catastrophic because right behind Baker Mayfield, they have Case Keenum, who has already demonstrated that he can come in when your star starting quarterback goes down and pick up the ball and keep it going and, and take your team to the playoffs. So uh, even that position actually uh, at this moment in time might be less catastrophic than if they lost to Miles Garrett. Now, of course, if they signed Jadavian Clowney, then they could breathe easy and they would have somebody almost as good as Miles Garrett behind Miles Garrett. Although I do, I do want to say this, and you know what? We'll talk about this tomorrow on our, our Baker Mayfield Zoom call. Uh, I do want to say this, and this is nothing against Case Keenum, but I do hope that if we did get to a scenario like that, there would be a significant drop-off between Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum. The Case Keenum is more the guy that he can come in and play and run the offense and keep you afloat, uh, but, but you, would, you would miss Baker Mayfield. Um, all right, let me see here. Scrolling through uh let's see oh it's okay so here's a good one this is interesting um first energy stadium you guys want to talk about a domed stadium we have to because the texters are asking sure we want to have a domed stadium <laughs> you know what i i wouldn't mind it at all if there was some way that they could do it i i would be all for it i mean i just i cannot imagine how people can sit outside at some of those football games i think it would be great 
uh, to be able to open it at your leisure, have it open when, when it's nice, close it to have indoor events and things like that. Um, I, I would be all for a dome stadium. I think it's less about the Brown season and then, and what you sort of said, Mary Kay, the opportunities it would provide the city. Um, Minneapolis has a dome stadium. Detroit has a dome stadium. Indianapolis has a dome stadium. There's a lot of stadiums in the Midwest that have a roof and it just, I mean, Ohio is the home of football. And I think if Cleveland had a dome stadium, we'd eventually have a Super Bowl here. You know, and and you maybe you could maybe swing a Big Ten championship game sometime, or the you know the the college football national championship game in a couple of years is going to be in Indianapolis. Maybe that could be. So I don't know that that's enough of a reason to do it, but um, Cleveland is a great football city, but you're never going to get stuff like that without a roof. And so, and I don't know. I mean, sometimes people are you know like the the nostalgia of like, oh, you know, the game's in December when it's snowing and stuff. It's like, I don't know. Give me a roof and let let Ben Roethlisberger and Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow, whatever, go head-to-head on the turf with some good receivers and throw for 400 yards. I don't need mud and snow to enjoy football. So I'm all for it too, but I don't know. It probably costs a lot of money. Yeah. You guys want to spend 25 minutes arguing about stadium funding? No? (laughs) If you never want anyone to ever listen to this podcast again, we started with (laughs) – with off-field issues, and now we're going to stadium funding. And in between, we talked about linebackers for five minutes. Uh, let's go to uh, let, let's go to this question because this has to do with fans, and we obviously don't know what this is going to look like come September. But um, and, and maybe we've touched on this a little bit. But do, do you think the question is from the four four zero area code? How do you think the potential of empty stadiums would favor or not favor the Browns when it comes to home and away games? Do you, do you guys think that will ultimately matter if, if there's crowd noise, if there's not crowd noise? Does that stuff – I feel like in the NFL maybe we overrate that just a little. I do think it matters, but I feel like we overrate it a little. Do you think it has an impact on these games? You know what? I, I do. I actually do. I, I think there are places, you know, where you go and it's just, you know, so loud and, and crazy and they know when to make noise and they, you know, and they know when not to – and I, I do think there, you know, it can be intimidating to play in some of these places. I mean, when I think about, you know, the Browns going into Baltimore uh, for that opening game and how different that would be if there aren't any fans in the stands or it's half full or a third full or whatever it could be. Um, the Steelers games, you know, I mean, half the time, you know, there's more action going on in the stands than there than there is on the field. So, uh, you know, who wants to do the Lambo leap into, uh, into no one or <laughs> jump into the dog pound and have nobody catch you. I, I do think that it, it would be a huge factor. I guess if you, if you asked the Browns and you said, okay, the two games against the Steelers, it's your choice, Cleveland, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and the players, you guys figured this out. Would you rather both games be played with zero fans or both games be played with full crowds and the Browns got to pick, what would you pick? I think maybe the Browns would say we'll take zero fans because isn't maybe the case that like Pittsburgh is more of a home field advantage when it gets going nuts there with the terrible towels. And like, is that not more of an edge than renegade what the Browns have at home? Right. I think it's about, of, of course you'd rather have fans, but where would the Browns home field advantage rank among the teams they play? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's better, I guess maybe better than Cincinnati, but is it better than Pittsburgh and Baltimore? Maybe. And and sometimes when you're a team like the Browns, I do think sometimes if you're, if your fans are expecting you to be good and competitive and all of a sudden, like you're behind early, you can suck the energy out of a stadium sometimes. And that can almost be a negative for the home team, but I don't know. You guys know much better than I do. do. Do the Browns have more or less of a home field advantage than the teams they play? I think it would be more if they are, if they get on a little bit of a roll and they're winning. I mean, when you think about uh, the the Jets game when Baker Mayfield came in, I mean that place was obviously electric and it had it just took the wind out of the sails of the Jets. There was no way that they were going to win that football game. So I do think that when things are going well, and if they can get themselves into a good place and start winning some football games, then I think that they would have at least as much of a home field advantage as Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I think from an NFL standpoint, there's 
sort of just certain places where it's really like New Orleans is a place, uh, you know, you go to that stadium, it's, it's just different, you know. Um, but I'm always kind of struck, you go to Detroit, that place is pretty loud, actually, just because of the way it's built and, and the way they do it there hasn't really helped them a lot. I, th I think there's places in the NFL where it's better than others. I think Cleveland would have the potential to be a really great home city. I do know Browns fans travel well. I mean, there's road games where it sounds like a home game for the Browns, which, yeah. which is strange because sometimes there's home Browns games where it sounds like a home game for the other team. So, you know, it, it, it just varies from, from city to city. But I don't, I don't know if crowd noise is as important in the NFL as, say and, – and, Doug, you've, you've been to places like this. I mean, I've never been to a night game in Happy Valley. You know, I don't – so I don't know what that sounds like, but I imagine just having watched games like that, it's pretty wild. It's got to be tough to deal with. Yeah, some of those college stadiums when you have 100,000 people there, um, it's it's a little bonkers for sure. And I think that's – and I would say for Ohio State, for instance, I think Ohio State's home field advantage is not as great as some places. I think Penn State's is greater. I think Wisconsin's is greater. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's about where you think your home field ranks on the home field advantage edge. And I think you guys are, you guys are probably right. When the Browns are good, probably Cleveland's about as, about as good as it gets. But, again, sometimes it's like – here we go. Big game against the Steelers. And then it's 10 nothing, and the Browns are down. And then it's maybe like, well, maybe you'd rather have nobody there because then you can try to regroup without it feeling like, oh, my God, you know, the, the world is ending. Okay. Uh, we're we're going to wrap it up with an off-topic question here from the 917 area code. This is one of those um, deserted on a stranded island questions. Uh, <laughs> I, actually, I actually found in a response to one of Scott's texts. So I've really been digging for your questions, folks. From the 917 area code, if you were stranded on an island or locked down in your home, which I think we all know a little bit about now, uh, you have to pick, oh boy, a book, a song, an animal, and a piece of athletic equipment. Wow, that's, kind of, that's a lot of stuff, actually. I would take all that. A book, a song, an animal, and a piece of athletic equipment. I don't know if I could pick all of those. They did tell me that a pair of shoes is does count as a piece of athletic equipment. So I guess I would have to just bring my running shoes. Um, so I've got that one answered. <laughs> oh, this, uh, there is no way. You'd Eric, have to give... you taking one of your cats? <laughs> oh, for sure. I, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, but as far as everything else, gosh, I would need to think about that for a little bit. <laughs> I, I would need to think uh, about some of those other things. Um, I, I would think as far as the athletic equipment is concerned, um, boy, I was going to say, if I'm in, if I'm inside the house, it would probably be any kind of a, any kind of a ball. Cause you could do so many different things <laughs> with a ball, but <laughs> I don't know. That is that, that, that's a great question. <laughs> all right. Here's, here's our next thing. That's going to keep people listening. Let's list all the things you can do with the ball. You can bounce the ball. <laughs> you can go, go ahead. <laughs> no, a ball. I mean, I would argue that a ball. Who invented the ball? I mean, it's like lists like the most important inventions <laughs> ever. It's like the wheel, fire, computers, and a ball. Right. You can. I mean, I could if I was stranded somewhere for twenty years. I think I would spend fifteen of the twenty years just throwing a ball in the air and trying to catch it. You could throw it high. You could throw it low. If you're on an island, you can throw it to yourself and dive for it in the waves. That's always fun. So a ball, gosh, it makes me want to go out and throw a ball to myself. And I do that sometimes. Don't you ever go in your yard and just throw a tennis ball as high in the air as you can and see if you can catch it? I'm 46. I did that this week. <laughs> or if you're, you're sitting around, my, my son always has lacrosse balls laying everywhere. And there's, you know, those things are super bouncy. You just sit and you, you bounce one while you're watching TV or recording a podcast or whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, so that's the, that was the easy one for me, but in terms of a, like a book or a song, I'd have to think about those for a few minutes. Song, song is tough. If it's the only song you can listen to for, I don't know, is this like the rest of your life? I don't know. It's got to be upbeat, right? It's got to be a little peppy. Yeah, it'd have to be something like if you were down, you'd want to I just said, to it. we were listening to this today. I, I, I listened to it. Just Like Heaven by The Cure is like the peppiest song. It's my, one of my workout songs. And it's like, that's the whitest answer that anybody could ever give. So that's, it's like, oh, oh, really? Oh, really? 46 year old guy, you picked a Cure song? How very uh, relatable of you. So um, I just would put on that song 
on repeat and throw a ball in the air and I'd be fine. <laughs> I mean, the first song that came to mind for me was Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. But, and I, and I do love it. I, I it, it, you know, I get the same happy Friday feeling every time I hear it. But, um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I would want to listen to it every day for the next, how, how long are we stuck with this? With this I, you know what? I've, I've, I've got to see. Let's see if this person, <laughs> uh, it just says if you each were stranded on an island or, or locked down in your home, there's, there's no time frame oh. given there. But I mean, I guess we have to put some stakes. To, I mean, you know, if you're there for a day, you don't have to have anything. You can get by. So I'm, I'm sure there's some stakes here involved. Yeah. Hmm. How about a book, you guys? What do you got for a book? Book. I recommend the same book every time I'm asked a question like this. It's called The Art of Fielding. It's a book about a small college baseball team. Um, I, I've read it so many times I can't even remember. I think it's, it's by a guy who wrote one book and that didn't write another one. The Art of Fielding, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Well, it goes along with the want, I think <laughs> if you were straight on an island, you wouldn't <laughs> want any of the Hunger Games books. Just rule those out. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm actually in the middle of a book right now. It's a little embarrassing because I was an English major and I haven't read this book yet, but I'm in the middle of Catch-22. I'm like literally halfway through that one. That's a pretty good one. I can read that one. I can read that one a few times, it seems like. I've read, I've read that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I also recommend the, Ra the Rabbit Run series by John Updike is a favorite of mine. And uh, Of Mice and Men is a good, uh, and Catcher in the Rye are both like good yeah. little quick ones that you can read again and again and again yeah i remember for an, an english assignment you had to do something on of mice and men and i think i wrote like one more chapter where like everybody got what they want and it all had such a happy ending and i put a nice bow on it and i actually <laughs> improved upon john steinbeck so yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, all right perfect mary Kay improving on john steinbeck that's a good, a good place to end this so i'd have my dog my running shoes a book that I'm in the middle of, and who knows, who knows what song? I don't, I don't know. I'm bad at that. Oh, so we had a pair of shoes too, right? Well, no, that was my athletic equipment. Oh, your athletic you guys, equipment. You guys are off on your island with a ball. Oh, that's right. I'm running, I'm running laps around the island. I would say I know what people would not pick to listen to on the island, and it would be this podcast. That <laughs> <laughs> start. And then at the end, they went on for 10 minutes about what kind of ball they would bring <laughs> to an island. God, that Doug guy wouldn't shut up. Man, you know, it would have been mini camp this week. We could actually use some, uh, we could actually use some football. I'll say that. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, make sure you sign up for Football Insider, get that 14-day free trial, and, and you'll have a shot to be one of the people who is involved. Uh, we got to limit it to like 100 people, but you'll have a shot to be involved in that Baker Mayfield uh, show that we're going to do, that Zoom call we're going to do on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. So you want to get in on Football Insider. You also want to rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. For Mary Kay and Doug, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.